0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Concept Aware. I am Jay Sibylla Smith. Here, I host unscripted conversations with contemporary photographers, curators, and critics to discuss concept development and the photo bookmaking process. I utilize my trademarked framework, Concept Aware, to investigate how each artist sees and how their creative practice is layered. My framework heavily influences how I conduct interviews. By identifying the layers within each guest's creative process, we learn the choices and decisions that move their abstract idea into a tangible object. I am excited to begin our fall schedule of guests. It is full of treasures. Today, I welcome back Anastasia Samolyova to discuss her ongoing exploration of the notion of place. In her book, Image Cities, she investigates all the complex ways in which photography shapes our perceptions of reality. She utilizes her masterful ability to collage in camera. Ironically, her flattened imagery Provides us with a kaleidoscope of ideas. Some of those include globalization, historical heritage, and cultural idealism. We have a lot to discuss. We're so glad you're here. Let's begin. Welcome back, Anna. I am very happy to have the time to discuss your latest well traveled and celebrated body of work, Image Cities. I love how you articulate the circularity in your work, your studio practice informing your work on the street, how architecture is viewed in concentric circles as a primary tool of composition in your image making, to the capturing of a multitude of man made structures in relationship to current natural disasters. To how the buildings in these cities of global interconnectedness reflect the conflict of our colonial past and a projected homogenous future of streamlined luxury. You have used photography to highlight our contradictions, yet remain aware of photography's role in manipulating how we see history see ourselves in the present and how we project our future. I recently heard a description of landscape photography and I'm paraphrasing here, to be of large ego and big feet, a nod to it being comprised of mostly Western white male perspectives. The award you received to fund the expansion of your project, which resulted in this book covering 17 global cityscapes, is an award with the specific mission of revitalizing the documentary photo language. We will link to the Free KBR Photo Award, the specifics of the award in our episode notes. I witness your engaged process with curiosity and respect. I envision you working a concept like a potter working clay on a wheel. You are in a collaboration and in a relationship with your material, in your case, the photographic image. You allow the material to lead. And you innovate ways to yield the products of your material to underscore your points of exploration. I sense your active engagement with your own interests, being authentically intrigued, perhaps motivated by frustration, of what we see and what we say, yet what we deny. what we dismiss. You deliver your findings with wit and wisdom. You are reflecting us back to us, asking big and bold questions. I appreciate how your work goes through shift changes and forms new relationships and deploys new experiences. How images from this book are compiled and expanded and projected into a public experience. All these manifestations are are a result of your keen observational skills and razor-sharp ability to construct the materiality in the image to tell multiple and complex stories. Your projects circle back and inform each other. It is fun to watch and frankly mystifying, because hopefully we'll get to how you do this. Somehow, you animate materials while activating aspects of your process simultaneously. You have an engaging manner of call and response that we as the viewer get to ride shotgun. I hope to discuss more specifically how you do this, to maybe understand the chicken and the egg. Which comes first in your process? How you employ the activity between your eye, your head, and your hand. Because you use them in concert. You are both the conductor and the orchestra. Another analogy that I see is that of a spy camera. You seem capable, like a spy camera, to scan, surveil, and shoot all with this lightning speed, discernibility. I agree with David Campany's conclusion of your being quote, an artist of intelligent play. It is a pleasant irony, how you utilize a flattening of imagery to provide us with a kaleidoscope of ideas. Each turn, the components are shuffled and rearranged each a silent alarm, a reflection of the concentric circles that coexist with us as the fulcrum. I encounter your work as an urgent call to awareness. You encourage us to question and to seek, to truly see. So, how can we break into how you do this? (laughs) is a mystery to me because so many things happen at the same time, but they're also well thought out and you have researched and you've got themes and issues and somehow you orchestrate this. So let's dig in.
1: (laughs) Oh, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) What? I I, I just don't think I can top this. I think we should leave it at that. (laughs) I really do. I'm so excited to be on your incredible podcast that I've listened to on my many, many solitary walks while (laughs) photographing. Uh, You know, there's this expression, oh, pray to photogods. Pray to photo gods. I, I believe if there is a god, she sounds like you. The photo <laughs> god sounds like you, and your introduction. I'm gonna play it every morning for myself.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna quote story. you on photo god. We'll make that. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and just Oop. the pace and the
1: delivery. I think I've heard a better introduction in my life. Uh, wow. Well. <laughs>
0: You deserve Thank it. You. you keep me thinking a lot, a lot, a lot, and I am mystified. Like as I, you know, as I'm trying to formulate. You know what I do in this podcast is I think out loud, right? And I form an understanding in concert with the person I'm interviewing because I don't know. I can have my ideas, but honestly, I need to bounce it off of them. But you give me so many intersecting points that it's, it is this circularity. And, and yeah, I think I had six pages of notes before I could like whittle it down. But I can, I can think of one question that might, might ground us because I'm really curious, because I think you're a master at this. And I don't know when you, where this was in your own process as an artist. When did you become aware of the ability of photography to shape our perception of reality?
1: Oh, that's a great one. It was very early on. It Um, had to have been. Go ahead. I'm
0: thinking, yeah, you've been thinking about this.
1: On a a practical level, that was with my architecture studies. Um, I initially enrolled in environmental design, and so that would have been now oh my god 20 years more than that (laughs) this was (laughs) over 20 years ago oh um i didn't realize just how long ago that was um yeah over 20 years ago that was my college um environmental design so architecture um with sustainable angle um and but this was a time where uh three dimensional you know modeling software was an mm-hmm. option. it was still very laggy um so the preferred version um was to build things um in physical space from cardboard and paper um and then we had to photograph those models for critiques um so this very practical application of photography um and the early discovery of its at the fairly formal um application began there for me mm-hmm. um, it was the the spatial interplay that happened between the model um the tabletop sized model and the resulting image that um could be almost of any scale. Mm. So, this illusion of space, um, a formal aspect of um, perspective and the flattening of space um, is what intrigued me first.
0: Mm. That's so interesting. And that makes so much sense. Because, first of all, I knew you had to be thinking about this for a while, but it also almost feels like you had. Um, they would call it um a, a like when you're doing that actual act the um the kinestology of it like that you were making those models then making that image and then realizing the illusion between those two forms you're going through that in an actual practical application for something else really spurred wait the process itself is fascinating and i think you just gave me at least a sense of what opened up all those concentric circles for you
1: mm-hmm. absolutely um wow. it was that discovery and then the gradual preference for images over the, uh, the kind of imperfect uh, small-scale models of spaces mm-hmm. and of course the um the certain pressures of architecture and the timeline that's um, involved into realizing that sustainable building. While these concerns remain um, central to my work, environmental concerns, special urban planning, development, um, I wanted to communicate them quicker and to a wider audience. Um, You have to experience architecture in real life, to really understand it, to feel it, to um, it's it's it has to be immersive. With photography, there is this option, right? The medium is reproducible. It's innate to photography. Um, so, having that ability and advantage, um, that became the medium of choice.
0: Wow! Wow! What's really interesting to me is that. When I was talking about the materials and the process and the conversation I have witnessed with your work, um, that's why this concentric circle is such a part of it, because you listened and thought through the process, which, which I talk about all the time in terms of concept aware, that your focus on the process and being in conversation in the process with your materials the product takes care of itself it's yeah
1: it leads you um, uh Um, i'm reading stoics right now i think it's marcus aurelius who says um the obstacle is the path Mm -hmm. and so looking at at the limitations
2: Mm -hmm.
1: in um architecture Mm -hmm. then i just build that path through a different medium but towards the same concerns
2: mm-hmm.
1: and ultimately um it's just the visual language
0: yeah 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 well i think that's what's so fascinating is that the way in which you do see allows people to be led into an aesthetic experience that then becomes so much more. And I think that's, yeah, yeah, a special, a special like talent of yours or a a special ability, but uh, it's starting to make sense to me in this, in, in that you have been working the craft of the process and your visual language, um, Purposely and with an intention, which is really, it, it just grows stronger because of
1: that. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you for noticing that. <laughs> and I, I just realized, too, that um, the people that I want to have that dialogue with, apart from, you know, photography, having... um. A really a wider audience than architecture that is location tied mm-hmm. um I, so i i am able to have that dialogue i am able to have that target audience that i wanted it is still uh people who um change our landscape right who can improve it um hopefully Architects and with developers and with urban planners um uh and with the government that is involved in these decisions um so these people these circles are very much part of my audience and are of utmost interest for me mm-hmm. apart from my um again usual circles of you know peers of other yeah. artists and photographers um yeah
0: yeah cuz you had mentioned um and we'll get to it in terms of um somewhere in one of our conversations you mentioned that feminist city was important to you so i actually read it um which helped me tremendously um as i was formulating my thoughts here but um I love that you came from a particular discipline with a particular uh, focus, being the sustainability, et cetera. And then moving out of that field as the language of choice, but knowing that you were targeting that very field in a much more, um, uh, you, you, you sped up the ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm I'm going to split this because there's a few different areas I want to talk about. And I want to come back to feminist cities and just cities and urban planning, just because I want to raise this one notion. Um, and that's that I'm also thinking, and maybe you've already answered it, about how images have played this Role as almost a culprit in the process that we're trying to change. Like, I'm curious when that kind of became a a, a, a front of mind thought. Right, you're using a medium that actually
2: can challenge our ability to change.
1: Yes. Um- Absolutely, Um, images are not innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, We are increasingly hieroglyphic society. Uh, Mm -hmm. We look at images first, and we're surrounded by them. We are. This is not a new concept, right? This has been photographed from Talbot time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to now, and um, um, Luigi Giri is another influence in his Mm -hmm. writing. Right? So, even the kind of photography in, uh, that you see in Image Cities, this flattened perspective, it's not new, but the spaces are evolving. And mm-hmm. um, uh, the evolution um, has to be questioned. Uh, where is this going? Is mm-hmm. this progress or is it just profit? Um, there was extensive research behind the project. Um, another influence is, um, Mark Fisher's Capitalist Realism. Mm. That one affected me deeply. Um, it's quite dark. Um, and I know that he revised some of those, um, postulates that he made. Um, there's a quote, uh, that I've highlighted here, if I can read it. Uh, he says capitalist realism, as I understand it, cannot be confined to art or to the quasi propagandistic way in which advertising functions. It is more like a pervasive atmosphere conditioning not only the production of culture but also the regulation of work and education, and acting as a kind of invisible barrier constraining thought and action.
0: Mm. Wow,
1: yes, and if you think about it and how images serve um as a metaphor, um, for our aspirations and for this escapist mentality. Um, they are the easiest way to, um, you know, transcend us into this mirror world mm-hmm. of fantasy, etc. cetera. Right? And we are bombarded by constant images of, um, better lifestyle and, <laughs> um, sort of further, you know, more and more materialistic values Mm -hmm. uh, from our small screens. um, It's always horrifying to get that weekly update of screen time. (laughs) 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 And I'd like to think that a lot of it is work and (laughs) (laughs) to work emails. But I know it's it's also very easy to catch yourself getting carried away um, Mm -hmm. into what seems like this Black hole of, um, you know, advertisers and endless mm-hmm. infotainment, you know, turning into entertainment and this kind of dark web of, um, just flutter mm. and you lose your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens a lot with, um, Larger scale images too, like the ones you find in public spaces. Yeah. Um, so the images in in the project, the Image Cities project, are a reflection of um, of that. Mm. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that use. Um. I think it's interesting, and maybe this is where we can. Turn to this idea. I mean, the subtitle for feminist cities is "claiming space in a man-made world," and um, I hadn't heard the term of feminist geography before. Um, and I love—I uh, I learned a lot in a in in thinking about it differently. So, from feminist city, I have a couple of quotes because they describe geography. Uh, is about the human relationship to our environment, both human built and natural. And then they went on with different, these are quotes within this book, but they're um, attributed to other theorists, other feminist geographers, um, that our cities are patriarchal, written in stone, brick, glass, and concrete. And once built, that can the cities continue to shape and influence Social relations, power, inequity. And I loved this imagery, but the the verticality of power is reflected in skyscrapers and this masculine character of capital. And I learned a new term from feminist city, heteropatriarchal capitalism. And and I think a lot about verticality in terms of power, because I think I mean, I've said this before, but I think our strength is actually in our horizontal interconnectedness, this whole idea of rhizomatic thinking. And every time we leave this plane of us being interconnected and try to go vertical and hierarchical, like good, better, best, it hasn't led us down a really good path. Um, It seems to, to, to be the very thing I think we're trying to change. And so I'm just raising this idea, what you've brought out in terms of gender. I mean, a lot of your images in the book are women because the advertising is more predominantly of women. Um, And then I think, yeah, yeah, I think you looking, no, just thinking that you brought me to these feminist geographers looking at how cities don't reflect the real lives of women?
1: Um, Not really. Yeah. Um, There are many layers to that. And Mm -hmm. Leslie Kern's book was another key source for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Historically cities have been designed by men and Mm -hmm. for men. Mm -hmm. Um, Verticality, you know, arguably is efficient on a smaller um footprint mm-hmm. but there are other considerations and um uh, so many points to make um i mean from the fact that uh, as a woman um you're you often find yourself reflected in all these idealized bodies that are still same old you know conventionally attractive types and mm-hmm. women enjoying leisure, if you pay attention for just one day in one of those metropolises mm-hmm. um, you'll start noticing that um it's uh, women are still depicted mainly in leisurely activities or um, shopping um, uh, cooking um, some traditional you know gender roles Mm. while men are more in office settings um it's almost 50 50 now with um car ads (laughs) 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 i mean transportation the suburban especially the transportation um um to to arrive at those shopping centers um but for the most part the very conservative gender roles still apply and when it's reproduced on the enormous scale in advertising in public spaces, this is simply reflective of the larger picture. This is what we see on our screens. Um, this is what's reproduced in the media. Uh, and so what does it mean to be reflected in all those ads while still often struggling to navigate the cities, um, especially as a, as a, a, a solo um um, pedestrian or walker mm. um, at night, for instance. Yeah. I grew up in the city and I, I still, I live in the city. I prefer city life and I did my stint in suburbia or well, in a smaller town for a few years while I was raising my um, small child. But even now, there's still considerations, there's still streets I would walk on at night. So I would seek the path that's most lit by streetlights. And another thing is anatomy. What I appreciate about uh, Kern's book is an entire chapter on public restrooms (laughs) and their absence. (laughs) Out of the 17 cities I visited, only one uh, really delivered, and that was Tokyo. It was remarkable. (laughs) The restrooms were really restrooms. You just go there to rest because it's air conditioned. And it's just absolutely sterile and it uh-huh. smells like lavender <laughs> 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 i appreciate that but as a as a woman, you know this yes. is this is a known fact right mm-hmm. there should be double the number of, of restrooms in any mm-hmm. public um space or the like stadium whatever um, right. for women um yeah so there's so many layers to that um and I, and that goes back to cities not quite um, having evolved to mm-hmm. accommodate women uh, who are only welcome essentially in the public space in the last century it's not mm-hmm. been long before mm-hmm. that if you're a woman out in the street you're a street
0: woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. isn't it amazing to think yeah that that's yeah. not and they, that long ago
1: not at all let alone for any sort of um casual, leisurely stroll that's not aimed at consumption mm-hmm. um for a long time. the idea of uh, a male flanner was mm-hmm. this admirable um you know, this poetic endeavor where mm-hmm. men would channel their inspiration that came from those urban landscapes um into their works of you know, literature or mm-hmm. or art. Um, but there is no such equivalent for, for women.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that one of the essayists referred to that as that you are a modern flaneuse because you are able to, to actually take up that space that had not been with women in mind before. I actually was thinking when, um, after reading Feminist Cities, uh, thinking about Well, she brings up so many points, Leslie Kern, about uh, the majority of women navigating cities also often have small children, have uh, strollers. um, This idea of even in some of the activities of women to navigate a city aren't taken into consideration in in a lot of the urban planning and the use of the public spaces, et cetera. But I was also thinking about the safety. Um, The very premise of her book is that she has one brother and yet they have such different takes on their lives that were in different cities because her brother is in it as, uh, you know, it was made for him and she is up against what wasn't made. her, Um, And I think she makes a clear um, statement of that, but it led me to look at some crime figures or some, I I tried to kind of look around like where are safe cities or what are the criteria of safe cities or um, what are some of the statistics and I mean it is astounding in terms of the amount of of, crime and, and violence against women perpetuated in cities. There's literally a list of 10 countries of the most dangerous, and the United States is the 10th. Um, I was able to look up in the United States what are the five top most dangerous cities for women. Um, but one of the positives uh, that I found is that there is a, a UN Women's Global initiative and it's called safe cities and safe public spaces for women and girls and from that initiative they built a program called safe cities free of violence against women and girls and this has been over a dozen years uh, all trying to do initiatives. So I'll link to the website because I think it's really interesting of how to crack. Like you said, there are so many um, layers to this and how do you make positive change and like almost like, you know, where do you throw your dart and say like, okay, this is the issue that we're going to tackle or address because there's so many. I love that you brought up public bathrooms. I actually had a friend tell me that I should write a book on the bathrooms in Paris because I know so many of them <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, you have to know your way around cities. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. I'm so glad you bring it up that initiative. I would,
1: I would like to look into that more. Um, and everything else that you said, um, uh, just want to, um, underline, I guess yeah. a couple of things there, yeah. Um uh, how there's still relative lack of um sort of women like more inviting spaces for women even i, I live in miami even here just on my blog um but i think that um, re- that applies to many other metropolises um sure there are shared parks and of course still as women um there's a, there's that very trackable statistic on how many women get harassed in public parks, mm-hmm. especially in the evening, right? Dusk or dawn. Um, and then there are playgrounds, but unless you're a mother and now, you know, more and more women opt out of that, um, of, of uh, you know, childhood responsibilities, how do you um, see yourself in those spaces? Um, mm-hmm. And then there are gyms, right? So outdoor gyms um, here in Miami, there's so plenty. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of it uh for the spaces
2: um
1: yeah and even with Paris bathrooms adorable but the majority of them are those standing you know the the spiral yep
0: yep <laughs> yep
1: <laughs> and, and, and They do not smell like lavender. They don't smell like (laughs) lavender. They look adorable, kind of a vintage, and you see the legs there, and and then you wonder, well, what's what's for me? You know, exactly. Where's where's my option in this? Mm -hmm. I can't stand.
0: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. No, it's true. Interesting. Well, I think um, I think you're expanding your audience to feminist geographers um i think that i that would the- very much love that yeah yeah i mean it was even a though whole- the
1: project began with something else yes yes it was the cities struggling you know in, in the age of globalization mm-hmm. um which is accelerating rapidly right every five years it seems like the city fabric is transformed again and again um it was inspired by this dichotomy you know between um the new type of architecture that is very accommodating of this enormous um, scale advertising mm-hmm. and uh, heritage um, mm-hmm. and the cultural identity of each city. These are the cities that are the faces of their respective cultures and nations, um, mm-hmm. okay. the cities that I sampled. And the the list of those cities came from that's um, ranking that is published by... Uh, globalization and World Cities Network. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a searchable list, and the cities are assigned a, a very, I thought, funny um, title yeah. statuses. Yeah, the Alpha Plus Plus, the Alpha very masculine, Alpha Plus and Beta. Um, mm. So I picked the ones that I could go to because it was still there were still some COVID closures um, in those years, um, and. And then another source of inspiration was um sort of it, it received a cult status in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was a commercial failure when it just came out. Uh Jacques Tati's nineteen sixty seven film called Playtime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and then I, I watched it a long time ago, but then in twenty twenty I saw it on a big screen for the first time mm. at a friend's birthday party and uh and uh because i was um i was late and i got a seat in the front row <laughs> i could see things really in depth And uh, there's a scene from a tourist uh bureau mm. there that was just so fascinating where um cities like paris and uh, london um tokyo um were being transformed through this steel and glass architecture um that's off-fashion in that moment, in the 60s, Van Der vanderoyed type of um, buildings mm-hmm. that, of course, remain the prevalent type of architecture now for its efficiency.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was your original... That was the impetus of the project. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. yes, yes. But as it happens with any research-based project that's visual in the end, Mm-hmm. Um, you have to respond to the environment. So since these are documentary pictures, and um, I am what I am, right? I'm this woman, you know, with my own history. So being reflected in those ads with other female mm-hmm. figures, um, that all made an impact. I had to reflect what I was seeing. So then, of course, it expanded, and the the number of subjects has broadened mm-hmm. um, since yeah since I began.
0: So when you think about it the original impetus was this um kind of conflict tension between contradiction uh I mean the movie sparked for you that idea of the um the larger momentum of architecture and culture and this idea of the verticality and then that that what it seems like you were we're seeing is the contradiction with the heritage, right? And, the, mm-hmm. and identities and and mm-hmm. how we're, we're becoming homogenized on a certain level, but it's, again, contradictory in terms of, you know, it is not true that women uh, live in luxury or that all of us can have, you know, the idealized advertising uh, the luxury that that even the new spaces, right, the things that you were saying are in the ads and the imagery of that is unrealized by so many people, um, but still were kind of swimming in it. Um, so anyway, your original contradiction or exploration into that contradiction just was fed by your own experience and your own awarenesses as you were going through that process and is that yeah. how you is that how you presented to the um to get the funding the yeah. yeah exactly that's how i presented and then when i delivered the
1: material um they were like oh <laughs> all of that too <laughs> now we have so i propose we divide the book into two main chapters the, the heritage versus nouveau mm. uh, uh architecture that's the first part and the second part is feminism and my my issues uh, Mm. (laughs) uh, presented through yeah images of um women in public spaces but yeah initially you know with uh, a good example would be um i think there's an entire term and there's a there used to be a hotline in japanese aid in japanese embassy um in Paris for people who were so disappointed with their for the Japanese tourists who were very disappointed with their experience in Paris. <laughs> if you think of it, you know our perception of oh. places, our understanding of places, come from unless we visit it, comes from this fantasy image of a place, right? Mm. That's been built largely by images wow. uh, that are idealized and these are perfected versions of places. Um, films right so if you think what is a parisian how do we picture parisian right there's there's certain visuals that come to mind Mm -hmm. and yet you know in reality and i've visited paris many times for the project it's a tricky one but it's so dense and it's kind of this perfect example Mm -hmm. uh well what if you're this modern parisian woman living in you know by ikea in the Mm -hmm. suburb And commuting to La Défense. That's Mm -hmm. a very different Parisian from our fantasy version. And yet that's now this increasing number of normal people. So then Mm -hmm. the cities that sort of came to define their culture and I guess um, the outside world's perception of that culture, like Paris or London, are now, uh, as we know, are increasingly gentrified and become these playgrounds for the wealthy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the heritage is carefully preserved in the city centers uh but a, again the, the parisian a parisian living by ikea and commuting to our defense will have mm-hmm. yeah very different parisian life mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and if that's a friend you're staying with while you're exploring paris <laughs> your perception of Paris is going to be coming from, from that source.
0: Yes, yes, I totally, totally get that. And I love how you said the the playgrounds of the wealthy and also maintaining the center or like that image center, right? Um, w- while at the same time, the two alpha cities that came out of this study um, are London and Paris. And there's li- i mean, sorry, that London and New York. And what's interesting is that there's been real issues in London of neighborhoods that are extreme luxury, but they're also empty, that they're 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 owned but not occupied. Um, and then what that does in terms of the whole economic development and community, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's interesting, and this comes from um having read David Campany in your book, his essay, because he notes that you pose questions without attaching an opinion or a conclusion. And I think that's really, really true. And so I was wondering similar to how I didn't understand your use of all the the compositional pieces that you've been able to put together that we talked about in the beginning, um, your process, how, how, has this aspect of your work developed? Like you're presenting something, but you're not, you're not um, pedantic. You're not snarly. You're not like shouting that this is what you need to think in reference to this. Like you're really just putting it out there. So how did that aspect of it, like your ability to um, invite association Like, I think you have an opinion or I think you have an, uh, an insight, but you're still able to share it with this Mm -hmm. expansiveness of just kind of reflecting without
2: hitting someone over the head.
1: Yeah, it was, um, thank you for that observation. And it, it has been, um, a very important and conscientious decision um uh, mm. in how I approach photography because it is it can be so literal mm-hmm. um, there's only so much abstraction you can do unless you're just a pure formalist uh but my work um has a message mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. I would say it has a seed for the dialogue that I am trying to um Generate mm-hmm. with uh, a wide array of different groups of people. Um, it is, it, my photography is not insular. It's not just for me. I would still be doing it even if I wasn't showing it, but mm-hmm. uh, it is important for me to engage in that conversation. Um, and of course, David, uh, David company's observation is, Uh, Spot on. He knows my work very well having edited my two books prior to this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I edited Image Cities myself because it was such a short deadline between the time I arrived with my final archive of images. Um, I had 15,000 images. to choose from and i had two weeks to submit the proposal for the actual book so i I don't think i left this chair i'm I'm sitting right now uh in those two weeks it was yeah um and and so this this comes from this openness um in interpretation while i do have an opinion um which shifts sometimes also it's it's mm-hmm. not uh, a one-way monologue that's also critical mm-hmm. i um i propose a position mm-hmm. let's put it that way and then i involve a re- i invite a response and um i myself learn from that response as well and it mm-hmm. um then morphs into my next body of work potentially right or in my um, in the context that i present um, alongside the images but they don't come with captions and since i don't come into photography from photojournalism where i had to develop a story you know from point a to point b um, with the bits of digestible um uh, you know text in between Mm. um, that ties it all together and defines what each image means um so you will see the list of, of the list of locations at the very end of the book i didn't want it to be uh distracting actually i want um the, my viewers to um sort of free associate and also to put that sequence and the um the certain synchronicities that form on their own mm-hmm. and it's my favorite thing to respond to and to notice what people are seeing in the images because it's so different each time. The things mm. that um the viewers point out in the recent exhibition that was at Fundación Mapfre in Madrid. Uh the response was different from the same exhibition um uh, taking place in Barcelona earlier. So the kind of images that people point out and Mm. ask me about and the majority still thought they're double exposures or or collages, which they're not. And then on a deeper level, um, you know, going back to childhood, uh, Mm. (laughs) that is likely formed by my um, very deep rooted um, sense of suspicion. And skepticism about very didactic um, Ah. formulations Mm -hmm. and propagandistic images that abounded in that time. And they continued in this, I could not believe it. Um, It's been 15 years that I've not lived in Russia, but look what's happening now. Mm -hmm. So it's a very legitimate resistance to um, propaganda. Mm. that is primarily pictorial with, um, some text, um, and, and this, um, kind of exposing of the tools of the medium itself. So it's, Mm. the project is about cities and urban development and, um, this feminist idea, feminist ideas, um, but it's also about photography and, and, and what it does in the world, Mm. Mm. um, both good and problematic Mm -hmm. um so it's it's an intention to bring it out to surface and kind of analyze the medium itself as well
0: yes i totally got that that's why yeah when i was alluding to it being part of the culprit you know part of the problem um and that makes a lot of sense when you talk about your own suspicion of um and not even sus- your experience of um here is the issue here is the solution or here is what this is and this is because like it's this one line very like forced logic um and to you that's anathema it's like no we all have different viewpoints and can think and come to different conclusions um, so that makes a lot of sense. And then I love you discussing, exposing the tools of the medium. And like you were saying before, like there's always been this issue, um, of photography understanding itself, but you're looking at photography, uh, in the ways in which it's helping us under, uh, helping us to understand ourselves or to delude ourselves. And, um, I think that's really interesting. And I do think that that's, um, I think it's observable, you know, that you,
2: you are using
0: the medium to tell so many stories. That's, that's, and and it is with an openness. I really appreciate that. Um, somewhere I read that um, you, this idea of the Trump-Loy and how you so employ that. Um, and I love what I read that it's something that you said before where the Trump-Loy serves as a reminder that perception is a complex interplay of sensory input and cognitive interpretation, and I think that that reflects just what we were speaking about, right? That that perception is so much more complex, um, and it involves our senses and our intellect and our experience, which is what I was trying to get at at the beginning when I was talking about the concentric circles that you activate for me, and what I think you're doing is that you're bringing us as the viewer um to an awareness that we are a fulcrum we are a very important part of the process and 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 how we see involves all those things our experience the sensory um our intellect and images are a shorthand as you said a hieroglyphic they can say all this stuff very quickly but it's unanalyzed stuff It's not, it's not looked at for its complexity. I I literally saw a bumper sticker this morning on a car that said, think before it's illegal. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's this idea of like celebrating our ability to um understand where stories are coming from, what stories are being fed. And and I, I think it circles back to that whole idea of the consumer and the capitalism and what you've, you know, were able to do. Yeah. But I I have to say that I learned something that you use a telephoto lens. I was thinking about this like in terms of technique, you you do make me think of like a spy camera, how you like just seemed to to shoot on certain things. So I wondered about that. There was one image in the book um, taken in Barcelona and a man was walking down a, a kind of ramp and there was graffiti, there was other drawings. And I thought to myself, okay, do you know that there's already this layered collage effect? And like, did you see that man walk from the top of that ramp? Did you, did you photograph him at other places and then know that, okay, he's right, you know, dab in the middle between these two other interesting things. Like, I was like, okay, how do you do that? Or what do you decide? And Hmm. what, what happens? Like, do you find the setting and then wait for a person or the person maybe, it probably goes both ways, right? Brings you to the setting. But anyway, can you be more? yeah. Yeah. Talk about how you do. We're talking conceptually now. I'm talking about okay. When you made those fifteen thousand images, how much <laughs> is it, how, how many decisions are made a right there on each, the spot?
1: Yeah, a hundred is of each scene. About that, you know, okay, between okay. fifty and hundred of are of each scene. So in that sense, it's very much a decisive moment. It <laughs> might not look that way, and there's I I love the misconception. Honestly, makes me um, makes me um, sound a lot more serious. I think people think that I'm I'm there with medium format and a tripod. Nothing can be further away from truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, it is a digital medium format for this project, which was enabled by the award. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I have to stay mobile. Also, mm-hmm. I'm fairly low tech. Uh, there's a single lens that I carry with me because that enables me to walk for longer periods of time mm-hmm. with lesser weight. Walking mm-hmm. usually in the heat is hard enough mm-hmm. um, and it is a lot of walking. So it's yeah. a telephoto. I think the entire project was shot on 135 millimeter lens um, and I was still struggling with focus. It's a new lens. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to shoot 50 of each team. Um, so it's it's like this uh, Brissonian uh, uh, approach uh, mm. Henri Cartier-Bresson I find the ge- geometry is first so mm-hmm, the geometry mm-hmm. is first and then I wait for the right alignment of elements and mm-hmm. it's, the figures in my landscape are very much that they're figures in landscapes so these are all strangers um, occasionally if you see a portrait that means you know some more close up or mid-level Um, identifiable person, uh, 90% of the time, it's a conversation. So there's a report, people uh, consent. So in that sense, it's maybe slightly different if it's a more female approach to street photography. There's still not many of us um, doing it, especially in urban spaces. Um, So there's a conversation, there's exchange of information. um, And... but but for the most part, I wait, I, I'm a map maker. So I make, make, um, very extensive maps of locations that I'm interested in. A lot of things happen in between when I visit places and then I have to revisit them for the best light. Mm -hmm. Um, and I work alone. Uh, there were a couple instances where an assistant came with me, uh, especially, you know, if, if it's a different language, um, and we have to engage with, uh, you know, again, passerby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that helped. But for the most part, I'm alone, so nobody location scouts for me. But I often reach out to people, and they would give me tips on, you know, things that might fit to into this project or another one. So that, that's collaborative mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's revisiting spots sometimes throughout, um, you know, the course of, like, couple days and sometimes it's years Mm -hmm. i just got back from the west coast of florida fort myers and revisited some place that i photographed for the florida's book uh and projects um that have transformed Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. um so all of my work is intertwined um uh and and so who knows where this would end up
0: Mm. and then so is there i mean in the image cities has traveled, uh, already in Spain. Is there a planned, uh, traveling of the exhibition?
1: Uh, it's in the works right now. So there are multiple venues, um, that we're discussing. Of course, it'd be great to bring it to the cities that I have photographed. And there are yeah. 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the very firm next iteration will be in Paris for Perifoto. I will have a solo booth, and oh, it's uh yeah, and it's a big presentation of image cities, so it's focused on that
0: project ah excellent and which mm-hmm. gallery is that it is dot fifty one miami gallery mm hmm mm-hmm. great and um there was you did do a projection project with image cities. What was mm-hmm. that
1: about mm-hmm. oh, thank you for asking me because actually I spent quite a bit of time on that one um (laughs) you know the book can only accommodate a hundred could only accommodate 100 yeah and then out of fifteen thousand, i wanted to pick more uh, Mm um for a slideshow um so it's a it's a video installation that is projected into a corner onto two screens Mm -hmm. um and it's a slideshow of 500 images so a larger selection from the project and then you can see um Sort of more, I guess, consistently the patterns that form mm-hmm. um, and the conversation between the images. And there's, of course, a certain rhythm. It's silent, but the pauses, you know, and how images fade, and the kind of pairings that I um, I did. They mm-hmm. create a a more immersive experience. Yeah. Um, and the format I borrowed from my favorite piece by uh, Wolfman Tillman's um, mm. book for architects mm-hmm. um, that he screened at Venice Biennial, the architecture biennial. Mm-hmm. And I saw it when I was shooting um, actually in Austria, in Vienna at Mumok. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just transfixed. I loved that work so much. And it, it's dark and it's kind of funny. Um, he Photographs a lot of liminal spaces you know crowded airports and that was very much my experience while Mm. traveling for the project even though half of it actually navigated by train a lot of those Mm. are european cities Mm. um and so that slideshow video it's it's part of this project but it lives its own life it's now screening in portland this converge 45 biennial and it will come here to um hollywood arts and culture center in october in florida
0: Oh, good. Okay. Um, and my thinking about that is that, um, well, I love a lot of it. Just what you said, how immersive it is, immersive it is. And also, um, I love how you give us the, um, it's like Hansel and Gretel. Like we find out what are the, the pieces of bread you're picking up right you see that piece in Vienna and then you utilize it and certainly um, the idea that you were able to pick 500 but I'm thinking like if you had to sit in that chair as long as you did when you had the original 15,000 I'd be in that chair for quite some time picking the 500 and then the conversation between them mm-hmm. because that's fascinating that a minute yeah that's a, a while <laughs> but it's only
1: the final product it's only 25 minutes so i shortened it. uh, uh it's quite fast paced wow um, and it, it has this almost flickering effect and so far it's been a it's it's been a good response Um, uh, but i'm very curious to travel it further
0: yeah well i was thinking that it's easier to travel right it... mm-hmm. yeah it's just the file <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and um now i'm thinking that not only of course when you think about the places that it's been in portland going to miami i'm thinking how it would be really great to have it in um you know schools of urban planning or or, or hitting some of the audiences that are affecting yeah i mean the uh, building. i
1: have a, a friend architect um who works in miami um, and who, who's an educator as well. And he said, yeah, most of contemporary architecture, um, it, like hospitals, you know, a lot of public spaces like that, uh, not residential, mm-hmm. um, is designed to accommodate advertising. So changing images and screens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. billboards and screens. Mm hmm.
0: And it's interesting. I mean, it makes me think about going back to your original idea that architecture is immersive and here you're bringing an immersive experience Mm -hmm. back. It's kind of like full circle.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it does something very different. Um, You know, like um, Nan Golden's still work. I enjoy the images, but They don't touch me quite like that slideshow, right? The ballad slideshow. Um, Mm -hmm. That one brought me to tears. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, who was it? Jerry South who asked, when was the last time you cried (laughs) from looking at art, right? Which Mm -hmm. artwork made you cry? Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's one of those. That's Mm -hmm. That's a guaranteed. And then maybe Mikhail Schmidt's archive that I saw at mm-hmm. um, Rhino Sophia and then Tillman says it wasn't I wasn't crying to there but it was it was powerful mm-hmm. um, feeling
0: mm-hmm.
1: definitely mm-hmm. visceral reaction to that one
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting I think visceral reactions happen and and I always find it fascinating when I have such a different reaction than someone else. Like when I have a visceral reaction to something and someone I know very well, particularly like a lot or whatever, it's like, that doesn't even move me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how can we, how can you, you know, it's so individual, like, and you don't know and can't expect what's going to hit you. I did see the Nan Golden um, when I was in San Francisco in the spring. And yeah, I mean, you can't get off of the seat. And mm-hmm. those kinds, and, and I think I'm thinking of Dowd Bay did some work, um, where he was bringing in three screens. Uh, this was at the Sean Kelly gallery. And, um, I mean, his plantation imagery is so powerful, but then walking and being in it and moving and feeling the land, uh. It does give you an entirely other mm-hmm. understanding. It really
1: matters. And so mm-hmm. with, with video, it's it's a bit more um, you know, sustainable to enlarge video, especially if it's just a projector. And mm-hmm. then you can really um, feel uh, yourself surrounded by the skyscrapers and the spaces that are replicated almost to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the taller wall and then um, the proportions. You can um, experience it uh, almost like in in real life, right? That scale really, really matters. So with Tillman's installation, uh, Book for architects, uh, you feel like you're in those streets. You know, it's almost Mm -hmm. one-to-one. And then I I revisited it again. So I actually requested access to, um, it's in the Mets collection. Um, so, So... you know, seeing it on the screen is really special. You know, you can pause. It's different when you're watching it in the exhibition space. Um, we have to take it all in 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 one um, session.
2: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kept thinking about all of that uh, with with this video piece, um, and it's actually it's a circle back to. Um, my practice in graduate school, I made a documentary film. It was about industrial mm-hmm. agriculture. Whoa. It wasn't, it wasn't very good, but it was, um, I spent a year on that. Wow. <laughs> it had bad sound. So this time I decided to skip the sound.
0: <laughs> Just let's eliminate that. But I was thinking about it when you were talking about making the video. And I'm like, okay, now you're moving into that realm, but it's actually you're revisiting that. Realm. I
1: am revisiting. There are many layers um, that are that are just not public yet, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, there are these painted collages that I've been making in 2016 mm-hmm. that led me to pursue documentary photography.
2: Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't
1: before that; I was a studio-based um, artist mm-hmm. uh, working with photographic images. But I, I, I wouldn't claim. I wouldn't dare. Uh, call myself a photographer in mm-hmm. 2016, and then I began photographing to use some material for um, as 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 source images for for the for my collages um, that were made on printed canvases with acrylics. So I'm I'm doing that again now, mm-hmm. but it's it's not not there yet to share.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's cooking. Actually, I will. It's yeah, cooking. yeah, it's mm-hmm. good to have multiple things cooking. I think. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not surprised, but again, it's going to be informed by your process, so that already mm-hmm. is in the right direction. Um, that's obvious. So, um, I think we're going to need to wrap, and I'm just trying to look mm-hmm. quickly at my notes and see if I left out any um thing that I really want to make sure we we think about. But I I feel like we've covered a lot. Yeah, and I'm excited to um to spend time with the book and 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 I remember thinking about some of the um pairings that you did and and then going back and finding out that one was Moscow and one was Brussels and and I love that other layering. So, um I hope that I can see the video projection cuz I think that would be wonderful. Um yeah, Moscow so I... could could almost
1: be a separate chapter, you know, it was um I mean, not in my wildest nightmares could I have imagined what would be happening, what is happening right now.
2: Mm. Really,
1: it mm. it feels still uh, there's not a day I don't think about it and it feels mm. Orwellian. Mm. Um but um I haven't been back for a long time I was invited over a decade, you know, and then I was invited for the first time in my life to exhibit in Moscow, in this biennial. And that was in the summer of 2021. And yeah. I requested an artist residency. I requested the museum um, to give me a, an apartment, which did happen. <laughs> so I, was, I spent three weeks there with my camera. It was the first time I was photographing Moscow. Mm. Um, and it was just a, a shock. Mm-hmm. To see essentially the propaganda that I suspected and feared all my life. And part of the reason why I left in two thousand seven, in early two thousand eight, uh, was simply this intuition that this might not be the free world we think it is. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in twenty twenty in the summer of twenty twenty one, seeing these, you know, verts signs of war propaganda okay. uh sort of sold under the premise of um this the celebration of uh victory in world war 2
2: mm-hmm.
1: um we're just it's just glaring it's it's a, it's really traumatic but mm. um, it could be a separate chapter that was a big archive mm. and i thought yeah so i photographed there daily and of course, six months after um, the invasion happened,
2: then
1: mm-hmm. um, that made me reflect on those images in a whole new light. Mm. And I included some of them in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the very obvious ones, you know, mm. the historic glorification of war and then the newer really just, to me, it seemed out of place. And I, of course, did not, we didn't have that back in. To In the early two thousands, when there was still this illusion of democracy
2: mhm mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: well yeah it's it is such a challenging state of affairs, and uh ever since we heard that ridiculous term of alternative facts um you know mm-hmm. we're That's exactly we're, what's happening, yeah. Yeah.
1: supplemented by images that look so realistic. Mhm. 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 Mhm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It is it is a wild and
0: um challenging time. That's why that 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 bumper sticker. It's like mm-hmm. don't take it for granted. There's a there's a there's a great piece um I think it's Tom Schneider uh, wrote and it's a very small kind of pamphlet and it's um, uh, 20 lessons from the 20th century on tyranny because everyone walks around saying it can't happen here or it won't happen here, et cetera. And it's like, if he's taking this historical look and saying, you're not seeing the progression and the evolution. Um, yeah, so maybe I'll have to include that um in our in our episode in terms of a, a a um a resource um yeah yeah well
1: that's why it's so important to pay attention and to pay attention to images too my one of my favorite quotes is by Laszlo moholy mm-hmm. who you know carried the traditions of Bauhaus into the United States he was an immigrant as well mm-hmm. um who said the illiterate of the future, I'm paraphrasing, the illiterate of the future uh, will be not the ones who can't understand, uh, can't read, but the ones who can't understand the images. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow, that was prophetic. Um. Yeah.
0: All right, we'll go back and get that quote. So, Anna, I knew, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to get all of it, but I knew that this was going to be a rich discussion and I was really looking forward to it. And um, now I have something else to look forward to. I'll look forward to seeing image cities at Paris Photo and then I'll have to hunt down um, wherever the video projection is going to be because that sounds like it's, it will, it will help. This go even uh, more deeper in concentric circles. Yeah. yeah thank
1: you so much, Sid. Fantastic questions.
0: Thank you for joining our conversation. I am excited to offer two online workshops introducing my concept aware framework. Here we will unpack specifics on how you see and why it matters. You can find details and registration on my website under the services tab. There you will also find an archive of over 70 concept aware episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please follow and or subscribe. Rate and review. We love to hear your feedback. Please connect on other social media platforms where you will find me under at J Sibylla. I use all these methods to engage in a global visual culture conversation. Thank you for joining and being here.